Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. It's time to put the kettle on. It's tea time. Uh, what do we have in today's news, I hear you ask? Well, luckily, I've written it down. That sounds sensible. <laughs> it's a lot of it this week, so I had to, had to write it down. So, um, ah. uh, number one, we've got um, McDonald's. Good old McDonald's have announced plans to introduce electric car charging infrastructure at all of their UK drive throughs um, which I think is pretty cool, but it's also a little weird to think about going to McDonald's to charge your car. Like, it's not the sort of place I'd go if I wanted to do that. But anyway, um, but if they manage to sell more burgers because of it, then uh, I guess fair play to them, really. Um, they're working with InstaVault, which, um, so I have an electric car, so I uh, know my charges, and InstaVault is, in my opinion, the best one. Um, they already do ah. it. They've already got a relationship with Starbucks and KFC. Um, but I like them because they're just much easier. All the other ones require you to have an account which you top up money with, or you need to have an app specifically to use the charger, something like Ecotricity, which is all the motorways. Um, mm. Whereas with InstaVault, it's just, you know, wave your magic wand credit card thing. And there you go. So there's, no, there's nothing else to it. So it's definitely one of the best ones. So I'm quite pleased that they've chosen that one at the very least. But yeah, a little bit weird to think about going, oh, I'm running out of juice. I might pop down to McDonald's. So how is it going to work exactly? So I did see the, I saw the news article, I read the title, but I didn't read the article itself. Um, the McDonald's near me, they don't really have big car parks. And, and charging your car takes some time. Well, that's and, a, it does say exclusively for drive throughs Oh, which well, that's it like minutes. Can't just be the actual drive-through bay. That would be ridiculous. So it doesn't actually specify. It might, if it's, I would imagine because it's a drive-through or because it's a big enough store to have a drive-through that they probably have got a car park or at least enough spaces in there to have at least two of them, um, which is probably what it will be. Two of them in each one, which hmm. is about. So why why drive through? Surely you'd want to target the you know the diners who go inside. I know that's why I was a bit. I'm like, if they said we're doing it, um, you know, as like a like I think we talked about the other week, um, uh, wireless charging. You know, if we had if we had that kind of capability, mm. you could actually go through the drive through. Then <clears throat> that would be cool. Uh, every time you parked at a window, you get charged up. That sort of thing. But yeah, I don't really understand. The thinking behind the drive-through part. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound right. Starbucks yeah, have it at a drive-through, but they, it's you know, it's not actually related to the drive-through. It's just that they have a car park there, so the charge there. So I'm guessing they're doing the same thing. So is it the case of uh, like a lot of service stations on motorways have these charging stations, but they have like two yes. uh, for fifty cars? Uh, yeah. Is McDonald's going to be the same? That they're going to select? I don't know, car park 14 and 16, our least used ones, will now have electric car charging. Car park 14 and 16, what's that bit about? Oh, they number their car park spots. Oh. Have you, have you not been to McDonald's? 
Well, yes, but I hadn't realised they numbered the car parking spaces. Uh, they do a minor base. I'm not sure if they do that ones, but uh, either way, uh, are they targeting the people where, who will go through the drive-through, sit in a car park bay, charge their car, and eat their food in the car? Is that their target market? Basically, yeah, the people I... who, who couldn't buy more food if they wanted to because they're stuck in their car in a charging bay. Whereas, if, obviously, if they're inside the restaurant, they keep on buying while their car is charging. Yeah, like, like, yes. like here does. I would imagine in the same way that I go to Starbucks sometimes to charge my car. So because I'm there, I think, well, so I'll pop in and have a have a coffee. So I imagine they're just thinking the same thing. <clears throat> you'll, you'll either plan to go there and spend 45 minutes there and sit down and have a proper meal, or you'll just go for a little top up and maybe pop in and get a milkshake or something. I'm guessing that's the thinking. I'm just thinking of like my, I'm thinking of my mum, right? Like if she wanted to, if she was, because like she doesn't, she doesn't have a driveway. So if she wanted to charge a car, she, I just can't imagine her going, I'm just, just going to pop down to McDonald's and charge the car. I don't know why I've made her sound like a very old queen, but, um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I can't see her doing that. No. Yes, it's yeah. not her, clearly. It's for, it's for the, maybe the, it's like a younger generation who um, who likes to pop in from McDonald's salad or something. I don't know. Oh, there's this uh, a millennial thing. It's only the millennials. Only the millennials will, will use this new fan dangled yeah. electric I mean, charging thing. McDonald's. We don't. I mean, we are technically millennials, by the way. No, I don't think we are. We think we're slightly out, aren't we? No, we're millennials. Oh, you might be. You are. I'm not. Oh, are you a Generation Z? A Gen Z? I must be. I'm sure I looked at the date and I'm sure I'm below the date. Ah. So you're kind of the forgotten generation between the boomers and the millennials that no one cares about. That sounds about right, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> right, okay, so that's news item number one. Who goes to the next one? Um, uh, ED, which is a website, reports that Equinor is to deliver the world's largest at-scale hydrogen from carbon capture plant in Hull. So far, sounds good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Next sentence. Equinor has unveiled plans to develop the world's largest plant capable of converting natural gas, gas, natural gas, gas, yeah, <laughs> capable of converting natural gas to hydrogen in combination with carbon capture and storage as part of the zero carbon industrial hub located in the Humber region. Right. So, what was the key word you think I might mention next? Um, runs on natural gas. Or maybe, maybe you didn't pick it up because I said gas. But natural gas, right? So, yeah. well, not natural gas is a, is, a, is a fossil fuel. It's what you get out of the ground. So yes. this, this low carbon thing is based on fossil fuels to make to make hydrogen so you, you're gonna you're gonna dig up natural gas and then you're going to combust it in order to make hydrogen so you're going to turn a fossil a, a, a perfectly working fuel into another fuel by so burning early are you saying we should just use natural gas in the car directly I'm saying if you're going if you're going to dig it out of the ground, you might as well just use it as it is. What's the point in converting it? 
Good point. I mean, as far as I know, natural gas is also one of the most eco-friendly fossil fuels. Says who? I'm sure I've read that some, but please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm yeah. sure I've read someone. Comments below. Um, as far as I understand, you get you get natural gas and you get oil from the same place. Basically, you you dig it up. You you basically you've got you've got plants. They've condensed and they've turned themselves into black, liquidy, horrible stuff, um, and become oil. But around mm. that same area is the basically it's largely methane that's in the same sort of place, and you take that out too, and that's natural gas. <clears throat> So that part's confusing. It's making it sound like it's a very, very high eco thingy, and then they're using natural gas. That's my first complaint. We'll carry on. Next quote. The plan will enable industrial sector organizations located in the park, which from what I understand is next to it, to switch to hydrogen to reduce emissions. A power plant located in the chemicals park will also move to a 30% hydrogen to natural gas blend of source power. Emissions from the park are expected to be reduced by around 90,000 tonnes of CO2 annually. This is a new park. This is a, 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 yeah, a, new, a new plant being built in Hull. It's going to be the largest one in the world. Okay, so when they say it's being reduced by 90,000 tonnes, as opposed to how much is it introducing? Well, that's the thing. It's the, it's the wording of it says emissions in the park will be reduced. So is that excluding the plant? Because it sounds like the, the plant is taking the natural gas, burning it, making hydrogen, and then saying, use this, and your emissions will be less. Yeah, to, to me that reads as if it's, uh, these plants typically cost 200,000 tonnes, but we're going to do this for 110,000 tonnes. Yeah. So, not sure about this one. Mm. It's no. It's not sold. No. So um, it uses um, a process called ATR, otherwise known as autothermal reform, which I did try to research. Uh, it was a little bit in my head, um, but it definitely involves combustion of natural gas. So, you know, basically, it smells an awful lot like all companies trying to cling onto the industry um, and pretending it's green. Is this natural gas? natural to hull or is this being piped in from somewhere too is, is that the reason why it's in hull uh i don't i don't think so i think obviously there are natural gas resources all over um hmm. i don't i don't get it basically why do that if you can do if you can do solar panels if you can if you've got not if you've already got an alternative i mean hull's on the coast isn't it if, can you put a wind farm out there if you've got alternative, you've got solar, you've got wind, why on earth are we bothering to convert natural gas into hydrogen, which is obviously not mm. going to be as efficient? Good question. Um, I'm not sure where Hull actually is. Is it by the coast or is it kind of inland a little bit? I in the Humber, H Humber region, I thought it was inland a bit. But okay. I know there is a big wind farm, uh, 36 wind turbines, I believe, off the coast of uh, Liverpool. Um, and apparently one turn of one of the turbines powers a single house in Liverpool for the entire day. Right. So it sounds pretty cool and efficient, but you know, the more houses you get, the more wind farms you need. 
So I did a quick Google. I'm the hull. Sorry, hull is definitely the, the, the hull. The Humber is the river. Humber is um, an inlet, if you like. Um, but mm. I, they're both they're both on the coast. Ah. So that concludes the geography lesson of where's Hull. Where's Hull? Hull is definitely on the coast, yes. <laughs> Certainly close enough to a wind farm if they wanted to make one there. I just don't I just don't get it. I don't I don't get what the why that well, the why... bit I was just gonna say the bit that's triggering you most is the use of a fossil fuel to do anything potentially green. Yeah. Because it's it, it's the way that it's sort of presented as being this this amazing new low emission thingy, okay. But is it though? I mean, yes, okay. So if you if you convert natural gas in the in the plant, you can then clean up some of the CO two. Well, they're saying that they're going to do mm. um, uh, carbon storage, aren't they? They're saying they're going to capture it from the plant, so that one of the emissions of the plant will be. CO2, they will try and capture that and put it into a carbon capture storage unit, which is great. But why did they burn it in the first place? That's what do we do with these uh, carbon carbon storage units? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> mm. I don't I mean, know. If you just, what... if you just put it back in the hole where we took natural gas from. That kind of sounds cool. Yeah, I don't think they. I'm really right. I would assume not. That's, it's just going to leak out, isn't it? Everywhere. Oh, no, I'm not sure that'd be a good idea anyway. But, um, but yes. we kind of need to take it to space and release it. It's the only way to get rid of it, I suppose. Yeah. So what I understand, and I, I don't fully understand, I did try, but um, it's taking essentially um, largely methane and some other stuff. There's also like sulfurics and, and other things that aren't very good. Um, and it's bringing it down largely to methane and then using, depending on which style of BATR, um, it's using steam or something to basically split up the methane into its counterparts, which would be the carbon dioxide, probably something carbon monoxide, um, hydrogen, and that's it. Oxygen, sorry, oxygen as well. Um, so they're doing that and then taking the hydrogen out of that and then you're left over with some carbon dioxide and some carbon monoxide and they're going to try and clean that up and then I think stick it into a carbon capture. Okay. But they could just use solar panels or wind or something. So I don't see wind, the problem. Yeah, wind and tidal perhaps. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that as well. I mean, sun, sun probably not too strong in hull, but... Yeah, wind, wind, and uh, wind and tidal. Yeah, but anyway, I would just I would prefer to see the, uh, the money being spent on the other actually renewable ones because in day right in terms of our topic, our general topic, sustainability, it's a fossil fuel. Therefore, by definition, it is not sustainable. So, yeah. No. In other news, so. Um, on the same uh, website, ed.net, um, they had a little run through of their favorite inventions for the month. So I thought I would just scan through Ooh. a few of those because they're quite fun. Um, so let's pull them up for you. 
So we're including um, first one is Europe's largest electric aircraft. Supposedly, aviation is considered to be um, to be producing sorry absolute emissions um, which have grown in the in the last actually it goes up for, it says from 1990 to 2012 it saw the emissions grow by 70 percent um, which is basically just setting you as a as a precursor for saying we could do with some electric planes um, so a company called zero avia have completed some test flights for a prototype six-seater electric plane it looks like a little small one obviously six-seater not not a big thing but they're hoping to eventually hmm. have a 200-seater one however interestingly again that's another company that have said that their longer term ambition is probably to include hydrogen fuel cells so and that's the that weight to um, density ratio because the battery is too heavy right now. Yeah. Because hydrogen fuel cells, a bit more of a mature technology, a bit like that. Well, it's just mm. hydrogen itself. Hydrogen weighs less and produces more energy per kilogram, as it were. Yeah. So until batteries can compete on that level, hydrogen is looking like a way to go. So... So that's, that's better than quite understanding. So are batteries heavier than filling the wings full of jet fuel? Yes. Hmm. I believe so. That's kind of weird. I think. Obviously, obviously, you can put in the same weight of fuel so batteries you can make them weigh the same but then it's how far will they then go yeah so a if you fill your wings with fuel then you will travel further than if you put the same of batteries in okay but yeah i'm interested to know how how far an electric plane can go uh, i know for example in the uk uh traveling to europe they have a lot of city hoppers where they don't typically go that far. Yeah. So if you, if you can fly, say, 500 miles, that just might be enough for your typical city hopping travel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like you're looking at, yeah, not much more than London to Paris, I think, in, in these sort of aircraft. Definitely not long haul. Um, yeah. Next uh, invention is a, although it says Formula One inspired, which I think it was set up to make it sound cool, really. But, um, uh, fridges it's talking about uh, supermarkets uh, and their fridge section and the probably mm. too uh, and how it accounts for um, it counts for what does it say can't find it so, I'll, just, I'll just read a bit from the website um, so supermarkets account for around 3% of the UK's total energy use largely due to the use of transport, lighting, and cooling. Fridges are the largest contributor to the issue, accounting for half of the sector's energy consumption alone. Yes. So basically, a company called Aerofor Energy um, has invented some sort of vortex technology 
basically it's inspired by Formula One racing cars because of needing to cool the engines down. Um, so they have yeah produced some sort of way of cooling the fridges with aerofoils and vortexes. Uh, and the results show that it would reduce um, the energy consumption by 52%. So that's pretty nice. cool. That's the sort of clever invention we like. It is, uh, considering that I actually read a book today called uh, Drawdown. Um, um, so what the, the idea behind Project Drawdown is to make things sustainable, as you'd expect, perhaps. Um, and they also talk about refrigeration as the number one problem. Right. And I, I didn't actually know this, but yeah, it accounts for a ridiculous percentage of the problem. Yeah, I'm, not um, always, I'm always walking around closing the doors. Like whenever I go to co-op, because people always open the door and they leave it open. I'm always, I'm always going around closing all the doors. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even the actual refrigeration side of it uses a lot of um, energy. Yes. But apparently the biggest cause is incorrect disposal of refrigeration units because they're full of uh, hydro, hydrofluorocarbon, HFC, which right. once released in the atmosphere causes a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we've heard about this back in the time, but like, yeah, the idea is that um, the most offending refrigerators need to be completely phased out and retired. Yeah. And they need to be done so deliberately. Um, yeah, and this book was talking about if if done correctly, um, get rid of all the old-fashioned refrigeration units. Um, yeah, we could reduce the carbon offset a year by ninety gigatons, um, which would be the same as reducing uh, the global warming by an entire degree Fahrenheit. Wow! Wow! So, just that's just recycling fridges correctly. That's what globally though, yeah? Is that globally, yeah. Okay. Wow. By by twenty fifty. So I mean we're still thirty years off this. But the fact that we could reduce the global temperature by a degree. I mean Fahrenheit as well, so not quite Celsius. Um uh in terms of just just getting rid of fridges correctly is, is a mad thing. I didn't know that was such an issue. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I guess I'm, I'm almost annoyed myself for not really thinking about it before. That yeah, you go to Tesco's and it's or whatever the store. <laughs> there are other ones available, I believe. Sainsbury's and Asda. Um, little. Um, yeah, just all that power that must be used for that. And yeah, if you can come up with a way of just reducing that by well, like in this case, fifty-two percent, that would make that much difference. And that's 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 pretty cool. So. That was, was probably my favorite news item that I've read because it feels like it's a it, it's one of those things that doesn't require anyone to change anything. As in, like, it doesn't require a consumer to suddenly have a different behavior. Like, we don't suddenly need to get on eight-seater aircraft or six of them to try and get to Australia. Um, you know, it's something that we just walk into a shop and it's just changed and everything's reduced and it's that's it. That's it. Job done. We didn't have to do yeah. a thing. Um, so, like that. Um, yeah, that's good. Next one is to do with electric ships. Ooh. So electric ships and vessels running on hydrogen as a fuel have long been believed <laughs> to 
uh, possible, but recent times have seen research and development accelerating more rapidly than ever, bringing forward prototype developments. Um, so, yeah, electric ferries and the like are starting to come off as well uh, by a company from called Orsted. So the systems will be installed to serve Orsted's Hornsea 2 offshore wind farm. So we've actually got an electric ferry servicing the offshore wind farm, which is good, isn't it? Yeah, and that makes complete sense. Um, I believe there really are, there really are electric ferries, I believe. Uh, where are they? Maybe not 100% electric. I know they typically use electricity first. Um, the ferries they use in San Francisco to go to Alcatraz. Um, they were electric as far as I know, and maybe not all of them, but the one I used and tested, right. not, not tested, I was a passenger of. Right. Um, uh, they also had uh, wind turbines on top too. Different designs, it looked quite cool. All right. Well, yeah, so there's, there's more of those coming. Uh, but yeah, they're not, they're not small, they're 35 meters long. Apparently can carry 20 odd people. Mm. So, well, I mean, that's not huge, but it's not tiny either. Um, uh, the next one I won't read because I didn't understand it. Um, <laughs> and then a bit of fun one. Uh, carbon capture and storage is considered a key component of the transition by many, including the UK's own Committee on Climate Change. Um, but as trials of man-made uh, carbon capture arrays begin and scale up, companies are trying to figure out basically how to use that carbon once they've captured it. One potential solution comes from a Brooklyn-based startup called Airco, who recently shortlisted for the Carbon X Prize. The firm has developed a system in which CO2 is liquefied in a hydroelectric-powered facility and then converted to ethanol. The reaction carried out with the addition of hydrogen also produces water. Can you guess what these two liquids joined together and distilled might make? What ethanol and water? Ethanol and water. Yeah. Can you guess what they're trying to make or what they are making based on those two clues? Um. Feral, I would assume, but vodka. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. we are going to drink our way out of this problem because that's the British way. Why, why vodka though? You can make any alcohol with ethanol and. I, know, I water. guess they, I guess they started with vodka because it would be the easiest. I guess I, I don't know, but yeah, they are making vodka out of CO two, basically. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I stopped drinking vodka. Clearly, if I want to be sustainable, now I need to go back. So stop oh. drinking stop drinking wine, because it has to be ferried in from another country. <laughs> now you have to drink vodka. Ah, is that is that why Russia doesn't have an issue with global warming? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because they're too drunk. They just, just seem to be unaffected by any of this type of stuff. <laughs> well, who knows what goes on in Russia? We certainly don't. Right, so that's um, 
that's basically all the interesting stuff on that one. Uh, so next news item. I've only got one. Oh, I don't know, loads. Mm. Um, I didn't probably read this one, so if you're, I'll, I'll pull out for anyone who's um, watching this on the video. But just as a headline, I thought it was very pretty cool. Um, comic relief founder launches a campaign to shift three trillion of pension assets into sustainable investments. Uh, and the oh, quote. Nice. Our pensions are powerful and we must use that power to build a better world. Uh, so the campaign is called Make My Money Matter. I won't read any more because I haven't read any more before. Um, but just on that alone, uh, I just thought that was cool. Um, okay, so three trillion. Three, three trillion. trillion. Yeah. So that's just the, that's just the UK. Um... Or yeah. the comic relief thing. Yeah, film producer <laughs> and co-founder of Comic Relief, Richard Curtis, has launched a campaign to help make the UK's three trillion of pension assets more sustainable and ensure it is invested in building a better world after the can't say that word pandemic. No, I probably can't say that word either. Damn it. Um, that sounds like a genius idea. I mean, yeah, like knight this guy immediately. This okay. is something I'll, we should all do. <laughs> I'll get right on that. So yeah, yeah I, like, I like that one. Um, that's amazing. I, I kind of feel like that's a really obvious low-hanging fruit. Um, sustainable technologies should have a high investment return. I mean, what are they all in now? I mean, I assume they're all in bonds because they're going to be a safe market. I imagine it's probably a combination, isn't it? Probably globe, part mostly bonds and maybe... Um, like the global economy index fund, I don't know. So I've never understood who pensions sort of like lock because we got triple lock pensions, which mean which mean what? That whatever it's invested in, we don't ever lose. I, I've never understood that. Uh, I, I I haven't got one, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I like the idea of other people's money. That's in those things going to the rules, the right, the right sort of technologies and the right sort of thing. If this, this is um, Sorry. So uh, I just think that if we have, if you have the opportunity to invest, if you're in a position where you can invest money, whether it's via your pension or directly, um, rather than putting it in a bank, not a normal bank, which is, gives you absolutely crap return. Um, mm. I mean, it makes sense to invest it in in the world that you want to see because that's how we can that's effectively how we can vote if you see what i mean we can we can yeah. put money where we want it to be rather than putting it just in the bank yeah that makes a lot of sense um because we've seen a lot of um energy companies right now uh flouting the idea of being 100 percent renewable and uh, they're really pushing that angle so i mean having a pension provider yeah i mean certainly at the moment right at the moment it's um, you know, it's Boris's big thing at the minute. Um, so the last one is that the UK allows e-scooters to roam free. Um, so as we were saying, the, there's a seemingly a very big push by the UK government to avoid more years of austerity and uh, fight its way back after the shutdown by really pushing 
green tech and and that sort of sustainable um, stuff. Um, so they've announced uh, the beginnings of twelve month trials, and one of them is legalizing e scooters, but only rentals, privately owned ones will still be excluded. You still can't ride those on the road. Um, so obviously, naturally, this has created group certain groups such as those representing the disabled and the blind to make their announcements and people have cited concerns that the scooters will be left on the floor as a tripping hazard or blocking pavement access or even being used by drunk people. Um, although the new law does stipulate that you need a driving license to use one of these things. So presumably using it drunk would have similar consequences ah. to driving car. I don't know that, but I would presume so. Um, and at the end of the last year, uh, in an article published by Wiggle, Strava, who's a big sort of social um, cycling and commuting and, and that sort of um, network for that, um, said it did it crunched its numbers and it established, and I'm going to give you one opportunity to guess, it's a very horrible, horrible game to play on you, Craig, but um, which city is the capital city of cycling commuters based on the number of commuters per thousand people? Let's talk. Amazing. How did you get that? Did you know that, Eddie? I, I didn't know it, but I know Bristol Council um, have been pushing cycling the sea centre for some time. So, well, you are, I, I would I would have been devastated if they had made no headway. <laughs> well, um, I thought it might be interesting to know that um, Cardiff fifth. Yeah, makes sense. They're trying. They are. They're trying. Um, so, yeah, sure enough, Bristol City will be one of the first to publish the availability of e-scooters as they're already doing some deal with LA company called Bird. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. And also nice, it brings us mm. on to today's topic, which is, of course, e-mobility, e-bikes, e-scooters, that sort of thing. Mm. Of course. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... It's a fairly big topic in the UK now, I imagine, because as you say, the news is now allowing these things to run. But I didn't know about the driver's license. That's that's a nice caveat. That's what I, I read. I've never thought of. Um, so I, I see electric scooters now being driven by children. So I'm not sure how that works right now. There must be a certain not on the road, no. Yeah, but, so they're, they're right. They're illegal. Private ones are illegal anyway. So you might, you might yeah. see them around the park on it or something, but that's not supposed to be the same thing. Um, you're not allowed to ride on pavements. But obviously, people do. Cause they, they do, yeah. No, everybody cares. Um, so that's the concern. That's why the Blind Association, I forgot what they're called, um, Kids with um, that's why they're not happy. Um, a lot of people are shocked at the the weight that's going to be allowed and the speed that's going to be allowed. Um, RNIB. That's the one. I was desperately trying not to say the one that's uh, for birds. Um, Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So that's the concern. That's the the people worried about. People riding on pavements, knocking each other over, and getting drunk, and doing that sort of stuff. Which is, is this 
Is this more for hindrance than cyclists now? I mean, like some cyclists will drive on the pavement as well. I mean, especially children, they don't necessarily travel on the road. Understandably so. So I think I think we should exclude children from this. But I think they, I mean, look, rascals. But um, you know, they they shouldn't. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about adults pegging it down the um the the pavement, knocking people over. Yes. But if you need if you need a driver's license, um, does that mean if you cause an offence on an e-scooter, you can get points? Well, I don't know, but um, hopefully yes. And if you're using an app, then obviously you know your identity should be easy enough to trace as well. Yeah, the idea of driving an e-scooter drunk would be drunk driving. Exactly. So, in possession of a dangerous vehicle. Yes. So, I mean, it's been, it's been suggested it's a terrible thing. It's just going to have the scooters lying all over the place. But if you're going to use an app and you're going to get charged by the minute and there's some sort of place that you docking station type thing that you put it back, then I don't know. I don't see why that would, I don't see why people would do that necessarily. Um, no. Yeah. So I have seen these in France um, and I get the premise of them just being left. I did see some just left. I don't know why. So I'm not sure not, how. Do they not have docking stations then? Do they were they just park them anywhere type ones or? Yeah, it was. Um, they would jump. Um, right. They were just some of them were just parked in like doorways. So maybe that person's gone inside, but there seemed to be quite a lot. Like sometimes they were parked in dockations. They were left. Sometimes they were on the road, uh, on the pavement. Sorry, in, in a way. So I'm not sure how that works, how they're getting charged or not, or I'm not sure, basically. Mm. We were going to look to hire someone, give them a crack, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not sold on e-scooters. And I don't really like them. Um, well, for me, I think um, the biggest issue is, is, is the city needs to be prepared for them uh, most of our cities are you know they're, they're cars and people they're not they, we haven't even managed to get bike lanes right yet i mean you know london's probably got yeah. quite a lot but most other cities uh don't have enough um well, you know, it's not amsterdam is it it's not like you know where you just there's just bikes everywhere and it's everywhere's got a, a bike lane um until we have that i don't see it uh, working particularly well I mean, Amsterdam did that did that very much intentionally too, where they they purposely narrowed um, they narrowed the lane for cars to one lane to have two to four cycle lanes. They, that was a purposeful decision they did. So we need to be that purposeful in our cities, which I think is what Bristol are doing too. They're they're trying to be that purposeful. Um, London feels like an obvious one too, considering I mean, especially the centre of London, which is like five miles square. And it's walkable and cyclable. You don't really need cars. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. Mm. Well, maybe we'll have to take a little trip to Bristol in a few months' time and see whether we get run over. Um, a little bit of uh, investigation in prices and stuff, and because I, I don't, I didn't, I haven't looked at e-bikes and e-scooters for a while. So I thought I'd see what the price. Was. Last time I remember looking, they were at least a thousand pounds. 
Um, so mm. I did another little look today. Uh, and if you pop along to our most traditional um, high street bike shop, Halfords, um, you're looking at a range of about 600 to three grand spend on wow. bikes. Wow. Um, so that's still pretty expensive. Um, however, uh, um, I found a website, Cambridgeshire Live, and they did their own review and they came up with 10 e bikes ranging from 300 to 500. Uh, they all like the smaller, sort of foldable style ones as opposed to like a normal big bike. But mm. 300 to 500 seems, you know, a reasonable amount, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what, if you was commuting every day, I think that would be viable as a, as a train ticket. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the number one on that website was not actually a bike at all, but it was a conversion kit called Switch. Have you heard of this? I haven't. Okay. So the idea is that you put on a custom front wheel. There are other ones you can do different setups but the easier one is that you put on a custom front wheel it has a motor in the middle of it so you add a couple of sensors connects it all up to a battery that sits on the handlebars and um that's basically it so it's a yeah it's an interesting way of getting started i i, I like it and the, the kit itself is only i think it was 255 pounds or something like that um okay so it's yeah much cheaper than obviously getting a hot bike um doesn't strike me as probably being as efficient as getting a you know a bike that's designed for the purpose but at that sort of price yeah. it's interesting um there are other ones um there's companies called uh i don't know how to pronounce these companies but bafang bafang or something uh Vualamart, aw um so if you're interested you'll probably want to do your own research shop around and stuff but um if you're reasonably handy, you want to try it out, or if you've already invested a ton into, you know, an existing bike, which isn't electric, I think that's kind of a good solution. And I'm never so slightly tempted myself. Uh, that sounds pretty good. I mean, yeah. Um, I've, I've sort of been thinking about an e-bike too, in the sense of I wouldn't mind the bike sometimes. Yeah. I mean, obviously not now because yeah, we're not going anywhere, but, um, You've got five miles, mate. That's all you can do. Yeah, until Monday. Until but Monday. Um, yeah, commuting-wise, or like I used to used to work in Cardiff, so getting from my town to Cardiff, I had to take a train, which I didn't really like too much, and I would have cycled that with an e-bike, given a choice. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's something I would like to do. I think a lot of people would be in that boat, perhaps. Uh, the 255 kit is a nice entry. Definitely, especially in a commuting sense, um, because your bike is normally left somewhere on the other end. And I would feel nervous leaving a 3,000-pound bike on the yeah. streets of Cardiff. I mean, for a 3,000-pound bike, your luck better cost 4,000 to make sure no one steals that thing. And actually, we we had a bit of experience this ourselves, haven't we? Because we we had a three thousand pound 
e-bike which we both rode around in Palmer with um and yes. what i was saying before about how that is a place that feels like they've properly decided that they have less cars because we mm. were on bike lanes the whole time we went from literally like from the from the residential element of the place right through to the city center and we didn't have to get off the bike lane once i think so it was no ideal and the bike the bikes we had were so easy to ride these big fat tire thing you just <clears throat> little i mean i got a bit of exercise on my thumb that day but that was that was about it yeah they were phenomenal um a real really really good experience uh that's probably another thing that pushed me towards getting the e-bike uh just a sheer cost i think that's kind of probably off but yeah and a place like um palma in mallorca was yeah it was it was ready for that it was good and they're powerful too we did um we did a test actually while we were there <laughs> and we basically found it's like the steepest hill that we could find and um uh i cranked it up to like level nine i think it was um yeah. and like i you know i i wouldn't be i i i, I couldn't ride up it without the power uh because it was so steep but it just mm. just flew up it was amazing um which you know really useful around here because it's got quite a lot of hills but yeah that place was pretty flat generally speaking that was just like one place that was really hilly but it's so easy to ride um I mean, they said, I guess that's, that's supposed to be the difference for the scooters versus the bike is that the scooters literally no effort whatsoever. You don't even have to swing your legs around around in circles. I mean, you don't have to with the bike, but um, it, a lot of the work, a lot of them work by the fact that you're pedaling and then they give you some assistance with it. Yes. You literally just stand on it and press a button. So that gave me a certain degree of longevity, which I think was important that we could go from we have one side of the island to, to the other and back again. Um, and if we did run juice, you just got to pedal. So yeah. I, I think that's quite... I mean, you, quite could, scoot. you could scoot, mm. but that doesn't seem quite as easy <laughs> as just... No. Because you can obviously, you can just turn it down a little bit so that you, you know, if you know you're running out of battery, like yeah. I don't think you can, I don't think you can partially scoot, can you? You're either scooting with your foot or you're pressing the button on the scooter. I don't think you can do a bit of both, can you really? Anyway. I would assume not, no. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, that particular bike was one to nine. I assume 10% of 90% powers, a power help. So yeah. Uh, yeah, down to one, 10%. So you're taking 10% of the strain off. I mean, that's probably good enough. And I don't remember the mileage. Was it 45 miles? Sounds familiar. I, I don't know why, but something of that caliber to get that, that would get me to Cardiff from back, which would be amazing. Yeah, and without breaking a sweat, probably. Uh, yeah. If you are interested in watching that, we'll put a, a link in the description below. But um, that was a it was good fun. We had a lot of fun doing that. Um, yeah, that was a very fun time. So I, I'm continuing to try and find uh, uh, actual real things that you could buy um, in the electric scooter land. In an article published by Wired. They recommended, and I can't pronounce this one either, but it's called, I think it's Jamos, or it's X-I-A-O-M-I. However you pronounce that. Jamo, Jamo, Ixiamo, I don't know. The Anyway, the M365 Pro is £570. 
It has a range of 27 miles and a charge time of five hours. Uh, for longer commutes, they recommend the 9Bot Max G30, which has a range of 40 miles and a charge time of six hours, but it costs a bit more at 719. That seems reasonable. I mean, compared to, you know, we were, even a year ago, I'm sure they were over a thousand. So, yeah, not bad. Mm. Um, I mean, for so me personally, I don't think it's much of a debate. I would definitely go with an e-bike um, just because I could use it as a bike. So it feels like it can go longer and go further. I'd feel much safer on the road on a bike than I would on a scooter. Um, but maybe if yeah. I was... Maybe if I was business executive and I was in the middle of London and I wanted to not perspire in any way whatsoever, maybe, maybe I'd use a scooter in that situation. But this is a criteria. Well, I can't. Well, I can't that's the only. It's the only criteria where I think it's better than a bike because you do, you know, you do get a little bit sweaty riding a bike, no matter what. Whereas a scooter is literally being carried. Yeah, I suppose you do. And if you was an executive in London who was wearing a suit, uh, cycling, after that, who were like sock over your trouser leg thing, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose scooting is a lot cooler as well, perhaps. That, you know, you just rock, rock up to your business meeting, I'm just cool. roll, cool. roll into the room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for stairs and stuff, if you need to do that or go bridges and things maybe it's slightly more uh lighter than than it would be to carry a bike so anytime that you have to carry yeah. it that would be a scooter uh win but i personally yeah. would go with a bike that, that's a good point actually on weight because the bikes we had in um in palma were very heavy oh, um yeah. couldn't if that <laughs> if that fell on you that's like a quad it was like a weight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. But, uh, I, I, I was gonna say, I imagine these scooters are also heavy, but you know, not as. Yeah, heavy. there's a couple of comments saying you can't carry it for very long, kind of thing. Um, but it's like five months lift up deal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not convinced by e-scooters though. I don't think I would ever buy one. Um, I may allow my kids to have one, perhaps. But that's probably the first I'd ever got. I would never see myself getting a scooter as a a serious thing. Right. So I've interested to know reasons of why people may do that because maybe I'm just missing the entire use case here. And maybe just too old, mate. Maybe that's pretty sus. I'm a millennial. You're a Gen Z. Yeah, well, I think so. Anyway, don't make me yeah. do. Well. But. Uh, yeah, I, I'm missing. I'm missing the reasons. So, if anyone does have reasons why, why, I'm stupid, why is a scooter? Please let me know. Why is it? So the only reason we can think of is if you wear a suit and you don't want to sweat, um, cost and um, mileage. That's probably well, cost it. Cost is similar, though, isn't it? Well, I, I don't gather. How is it similar? That's like there's a there's a massive divide in technology there. Like one's got a seat. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, I see a point. Well, I mean, one's got much bigger wheels. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's I'm a 
In terms of um, first principles, how much metal <laughs> is and rubber is in it, then yes, a scooter has less, so it should be cheaper. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. I guess the technology is a bit, a bit newer. But e-scooters are yeah. yeah. for It feels hip and cool. It's a hip and cool thing to do. So what you're saying is because it's hip and cool, it's overpriced. Yes. Like the hoverboards. Remember the hoverboard phase we had a couple of years back? Yes. They were, they were basically scooters without handlebars. And like that took off and that was a, like a, a must buy at Christmas. And then they started catching fire and they were banned. So it kind of feels we're one of them again. Where so I, I watched this. Scooters. I watched this guy on YouTube do, um, he had a, like a, I think it was like a five kilometer commute and he, each day he used a different method of getting there so he the first day he used um his his own bike his own personal bike and then the next day he got a rental e-bike and the day after that he got a rental scooter and the day after that he got um a was it another rental but it was a a, a much more powerful e-bike so it went from like a, a 300 watt to a thousand watt one Oh, and he also used an electric skateboard. Ah. Um, and basically his conclusion was, I mean, I felt it was a little bit biased because he, his bike was the only one that where he could basically go straight away. He didn't have to go anywhere in order to get it. And he was timing it. So the bike did surprisingly well, even though he has a pedal himself against the e-bike because he didn't include the time of going to, he sorry, he included in the time to, time to go and get the e-bike which is which i guess is fair but um the other thing was weird was like he had he he counted how much or gave a score for sweating and he gave his own bike <laughs> he gave his own bike a lower score for sweating than he did that the hired e-bike i couldn't quite work that one out because having done an e-bike myself i didn't for the number of miles we did i didn't sweat at all compared to what i would have done if i did that on a normal bike Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was seriously unfit as well when we did that. I, I probably couldn't have done that on a normal bike. And it was warm too. And yeah, I don't remember sweating that much. Yeah, so that, I thought that was a bit weird. But um, basically, if I can remember it correctly, uh, in terms of speed, um, the scooter and the skateboard were faster than the bikes mm. um, until the 1,000 watt bike came in because that one can go at like 30, 30 miles an hour ridiculous um so at that point it trashed a lot of them but um and the only reason he didn't like he said he wouldn't go for the electric skateboard is he, he at any point he knew that he was like one tiny mistake from basically drinking out of a straw so yeah electric skateboard's good not great for commuting though very dangerous um yeah valid reason i assume he's wearing a helmet I mean, you couldn't tell because it was a head cam, but I presume so. But either yeah. way, you're, you're literally just, you know, if you go, if someone catches your wheel, you're, you're flying off it forwards. I mean, have, have you ever seen Casey Neistat? Casey Neistat? That sounds right, yeah. Um, he, he's got videos of him falling off his. <laughs> it's, it can be quite horrific because you only have to catch the wheel so that it locks and doesn't go any further. And you just keep going. <laughs> At least, oh, with, I 
least with a scooter or electric bike, you've got something to hold on to to slow yourself down a little bit. But with a skateboard, you just you just gone. But even the scooter, I mean, you hit a stone, you like you turn the handlebars too sharp, you just hit in the floor. Yeah, well, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel there's, there's the bike. The bike is the perfect vehicle. Well, yeah, but with the scooter and the um, skateboard, you can jump off before you hit something. You can't do that with a bike. You can't get your legs over the over the bar quick enough to get off the bike. Whereas a scooter or, or a skateboard, you could just go no <laughs> and jump off. Well, yeah, yeah conveniently placed duvet that uh, mattress. Sorry, that just just lying on the side of the road. You can just go. <laughs> if someone was kind enough to be there, but yeah, so I, I guess it's, it depends on the accident. I guess. Yeah, it depends where you're going to hit. Okay. On a skateboard, you're going to hit a person. Yeah, you got to jump off. But if you're a biking, you hit a person. You can just hit them, and you'd be all right. So, it <laughs> depends on the obstacle. Depends whether you care more about yourself or the person you're hitting. I mean, those bikes in New York were heavy. If you hit someone, that would hurt. Oh my like, goodness. I, I don't think I don't think, the, I don't think the, the bike wouldn't stop. It would just mow someone down. Well, if you remember, we, um, we scared a couple of people because we came around the corner and they were going a bit quick, and then they went nah, and then yeah. their bikes. Not they were walking up in a bike lane. Hmm. Uh, no, it was, a, it was a cyclist, but she was right. Not, yeah, she was fully paying attention. So she, when we came around the corner, she suddenly went, "Oh my, oh my goodness, where shall I go next?" <laughs> And then she with these uh, electric tanks coming <laughs> my way. I think that was part. I think they just looked. I mean, like it didn't. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't they, huge. Yeah. But they were. Um, I mean, dead wheels as if like they looked like. They um, down and leave like it. Leave a like, print. Yeah, scramblers basically. Like could be easy to just run over you. Yeah, I think it was yeah, so, first. Uh, so, what's your verdict? Would you ever use an e-scooter? Did you say? I don't remember you saying. Uh, no, I'd go. I'd go with e-bike. Hundred percent e-bike every time. Yeah, I mean, maybe a very you know, like I said, if I was a business exec in London and I had lots of steps to climb up, maybe I would go. Actually, I'd go with a scooter. Be easier. But I think in ninety-nine percent of cases, I would go with e-bike because I would yeah. use it. I would use it as a bike, and then like you know. For me, that means that, you know, if I wanted to go for a ride somewhere uh, and there was just one bit, which was, as always is, one, there's one particular hill which is going to kill you if you try and go up it. Um, mm. And, you know, you can use it for that bit and then you can still have, you know, you can still have a good amount of exercise. You just don't need to do the bit where you're standing up on the pedals and only going at one mile an hour. You can just skip that part and just turn it on for that bit and then make the rest of the ride enjoyable. So I can understand purists think, you know, it's lazy, whatever, but you don't have to use it. You don't have to use the power if you don't want to. No. I mean, if you don't use the power, then it is harder than having a normal bike because it's a lot heavier. So I suppose you got that. But yeah, the fact that you could choose that, I think, is good. Yeah. Uh, you, maybe yeah. you fall off and you've hurt, you've hurt yourself or something. Or maybe you're just in a hurry today and you really need to get back quicker. So yeah. But even the fact that um, you've got a battery and you can still keep going. With a yeah. scooter, that kind of seems like, oh, that'd be a hassle, wouldn't it? I mean, you've well, run out with two miles left, like, oh. oh but it's, oh. it's not as bad as, like, 
when I, I've run out of power in my car. I mean, that's pretty bad because you can't, you, I can't even push the thing home at that point. <laughs> Just try and find the nearest hill. Well, I hope, hope you're on the hill. Turn the car around. <laughs> if you can even do that. I don't even know if it's possible. But anyway. well, there's no challenge if you go backwards down the hill. I've never tried, to be honest. I've never decided <laughs> to go freewheel it backwards down a hill. But I mean, if you on a really steep hill, you might have halfway up. It's like, okay, back down I go, then try again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not going to work. If you get into the bottom of the hill, you then you then go into someone's house and go, excuse me, can I plug in, please? Yeah. Have you got one of those tangled electric cars, have you? Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I uh, borrow your bed for the day? <laughs> it's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a three-pin socket and ten hours available that I can borrow. Yeah, what's for tea? <laughs> um, uh, right, so um, I do have one other section, if you're willing, is the stock market section. Oh, yes. You want to squeeze us in, didn't you? I did, if that's all right, because uh, investing in sustainable technologies is a personal interest of mine. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to share the things that I'm looking into with all of you. So, um, although I need to add the disclaimer that this is not investment advice. And if you simply buy stock in these companies, because I've mentioned it, then you are an idiot. <laughs> so don't Brad, do it. Brad, Brad, Brad. I mean, I like we... I'm not going to add any text. Don't do it. I'm just going to tell you about some stuff that's going on. And if you decide to do your own research, that's great. So first up, actually not a UK company, um, but there's loads of talk about it at the moment um, because they are joining in the fun battle that you probably don't know about between Tesla and Nikola. Learning about that? I've said it that uh, way, Tesla and Nikola, because if I say Nikola and Tesla, someone who people go, well, Nikola, Nikola Tesla, yeah, who's that? <laughs> it's the guy that... I, I, have, I have read something. I can't remember. Okay. I'll come back to it a bit later. So Tesla and Nikola are building... No, I'll just carry on. Yeah, Tesla and Nikola are building electric trucks. Uh, Nick, yeah. Nikola are also, I think I'm going to say allegedly, building hydrogen trucks on the basis that they, we've never actually seen one yet. Not that works anyway. Um, but there's a new company called... Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. There's lots of unpronounceable names today. Uh, Hylion, I think it is. I think it's hydrogen and lithium ion joined together. So Hylion. Hylion uh, are building an electric powertrain, um, which they call the Hypertruck Electric Range Extender. Oh, yeah. Catch, catch your name. Yeah. So supposedly this powertrain can run off, and I need to be very careful here, renewable natural gas not like the natural gas we talked about earlier on this is renewable natural gas otherwise known as rng what's the difference key important difference is that rng is not dug out of the ground where's it come from it's um basically methane that's produced when you let plants and um vegetation Rot. All right. Okay. So, like, um, you have a compost. You know, it releases 
methane-based things into the air. It's that stuff. So why can't we have one of those over like a, like a dairy farm and capture the cow, like the cow fat, which apparently causes a lot of issues? I don't know. Maybe okay. because wind. <laughs> and I don't mean that wind, I mean the other wind. I mean the app normal. Yeah. Maybe I'm just seeing, just seeing the cows in a, in a greenhouse where, you know, they yeah, fart, why, it why rises up, just, it's collected. Why can't they just fart into a pot or something? I mean, why can't, you know, it's just irresponsible, frankly. But, um, hmm. but yeah, it's technically, therefore, not a fossil fuel because it's not dug out of fossils. It feels like it's cheap, then, but okay. All right. But anyway, so, um, so you swap out the diesel engine for this thing and you also add batteries and it will charge the batteries as you go. Now that part, I'm going to charge batteries as I burn natural gas is a little bit similar to Toyota's self-charging hybrid bollocks that they came up with. Um, yeah. But you know, it does run on RNG and not diesel. Uh, so arguably an improvement because RNG is renewable. Diesel is not. So, um, obviously, an all-electric Tesla semi-truck would be better because it's not burning anything. Um, and I would mention Nikola again, but as they haven't made one, like, it's difficult to judge. Um, but I can see this being, given how many trucks already exist on the road, given the expense mm. of replacing the entire fleet with new Tesla semi-trucks, I can, whilst the other one, the Tesla semi-truck would probably be better, I can see this being quite a attractive offer for all the companies that need, whether I'm being nice or whether, I, you know, it's slightly corrupt, whatever, as in all the ones that need to show that they're doing green stuff or the ones that are going to suffer because of, new regulations which mean they have to reduce their emissions whatever the government comes up with all those companies are probably going to want to take the cheapest option available and this one yeah. might be it it sounds like that's their market that's their aim for it does sound like that so um yeah uh currently it's trading under the uh, ticker symbol of shll uh they are going to merge and at which point they will become slightly different ticker symbol um which i don't have to hand but it's some sort of like h y l n or something like that um anyway it's, it's trading at under 27 dollars a share um at the moment super speculative stock you know new company only just announced it really but it's early days so could be one of those ones that just go through the roof um, in a very short time scale, because that seems to be the common thing these days. Uh, lots of retail investors, that's people like me, that's people like people watching. Um, people don't ultimately do this as a living. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a theme at the moment of them throwing lots of money at stocks just like these. So whether they whether the company's any good or whether it's just going to benefit from that sort of current craze, either way, you, it could be a, could be a winner. Hmm. Uh, my next one is well-known British brand, National Express. 
this is a company that has had a healthy balance sheet and has been trading generally upwards very consistently for years. Um, and before the whole global shutdown thing, was trading at 470 pence per share. Now it trades at just 180 pence. So a double from this current position would only bring the share price to the same levels that they were achieving back in 2017. And that's a double. So, you know, we're not far off a triple potentially to get back to where they were. Um, so in addition to being rather screwed by the lack of travel at the moment, they have in the last week, another slight blow, they lost their long-standing CEO. Um, and he has also uh, recently sold some of, his, some of his shares. Although I hope he didn't sell it at the current price because that would be dumb. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm including it here because um, uh, in March this year, just gone, National Express announced with a picture that they that that they I think they just bought an uh, a new coach and that was the last diesel coach that they were ever going to buy and that they're going to start bringing their new fleet in by next year and that they had goals to make them zero emission by 2025 or 2030 or something like that. So obviously we have a new CEO now, so there is a potential threat to that. Maybe maybe he might not follow the same thing. If he does. Um, he has my support, and if he doesn't, I shall because I'm I just yeah, other disclaimer I am invested in um all of the ones I'm mentioning at the moment. That well, I have small things in all of them, um, but uh, I would yeah, if it turns out that they weren't going to stick with that, I, I would pull my money out because that is the point of, of this. That's why I'm telling you is I'm these are the companies I think are doing the right thing, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is, as it were. Yeah, that's that's a good argument, and you're basically congratulating them for doing this. And yeah, yeah, hy hypothetically, you're helping them reach that goal. That's the idea. Cool. Uh, and then finally, another very speculative stock, because um, we keep talking about hydrogen. In our research, kept discovering it. So, ITM Power. I think last week we talked about um, maybe the week before we talked about electrolysis. Yeah. Well, this is a company uh, who basically make electrolysis systems, um, which, to remind you all, is converting water back into hydrogen and oxygen. So it's it's a uh, it's been deemed as a way of uh, a low, a generally low emission thing, which doesn't require natural gas, um, of of getting hydrogen out of just water. And then potentially the actual electrolysis system itself could be powered by other means, um, by electricity. Um, so it's a bit, possibly a bit late to this party because uh, they've already tripled in the last six months. Uh, but again, it's a, it's you know it's quite early days, um, and they are currently experiencing a bit of a dip from their highs. So it might well be a very good time to get in. So that's ITM Power. Um, and other than to congratulate any Tesla stockholders out there for having a wonderful couple of days, um, that concludes my stock review of the week. Thanks. We did the thinking, he did the educating, now it's time for us all to act. See you Correct, next time. Bye. <laughs>